They've met with the pastor week after week. He's taught them our precepts and Christ Jesus to seek. He shared the law of our God, which we strive to keep, the prayers, the creeds, and the sacraments deep. Now these young saints are right to partake in Christ's body and blood, all for his sake. A gift you are seeking to commemorate this? Ad Crucem has just what you won't want to miss. We've got icons, art, ornaments, jewellery and more, greeting cards, crucifixes, posters, gifts galore. Your catechized friend will love what you give and treasure the gift all the days that they live. Visit adcrucem.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com. listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. It is a hymn sing with, wow, hymn sing with Sarah Day. <laughs> Bing We're off to a great start. I can speak English today. Um, I know words. <laughs> I am very excited about this episode today. It is Good Shepherd Sunday, time of the church year, which I will get into in just a second. Before I even start down the rabbit holes of hymnody, which will absolutely happen today, there's my usual plug for the Lutheran Service Book Companion to the Hymns available from Concordia Publishing House. It's absolutely worth every penny. I have a copy at work. I have a copy at home. I actually only own one of those, but still, it is worth it if you are interested in hymnody to find that. There is also a smaller version of, I think it's Ancient Hymns. There's another, if you search for hymn companion kind of things, there's another much smaller book about hymn stories uh, available at CPH. So we're in the season of Easter, which is one of the seasons of the church year, including Lent and Advent that get fun Latin names from the historic church. So these Sunday names come from the antiphons or the first lines of the introits for these Sundays, except for Rogate Sunday. And I have a reason for sharing this very insightful information with you, and mm. you'll find out in about three seconds. So mm. the second Sunday of Easter in the historic lectionary is called Quasimodo Geniti. Oh, that is a good name. Which That's, is a fantastic I name. It's, I'm naming my son that. <laughs> <laughs> if I ever have. When you, when you say historic lectionary, you're referring to the historic one-year lectionary that does not used a whole lot. Uh, there's a lot of churches that use it, but a, probably more that use the three-year lectionary. There are so probably you, more, yes. This if you true. are in a, in a church that uses the three-year lectionary, you might not have heard these titles. But the one year is older and there are a number of churches that use them. And if you do, you are lucky because th these names are cool and they have cool meanings too. Yes, they are. And other Christian churches also still use these names as well because the historic lectionary comes way, way back in history. And anyway, that's a different podcast. So quasimodogenity comes from the line, like newborn infants, alleluia, long for the pure spiritual milk of the word, alleluia. So this is the octave day of Easter, which means the eighth day of Easter. It's sometimes referred to as the low Sunday of the season because it's the second Sunday after or of Easter, kind of the return to regular services, still a festival because it's the octave, but not a festival like Easter. So then the third Sunday of Easter, and this is why this ties into what I'm going to be talking about, is Misericordias Domini, 
which is the earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. Alleluia. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Alleluia. And misericordias domini literally means the mercies of the Lord. This is also known as Good Shepherd Sunday in Hmm. the one year historic lectionary. But Good Shepherd Sunday is the fourth Sunday of Easter in the three-year lectionary. So this is one of those times in the two lectionaries that we have. Sometimes mm. Sundays get flipped. Transfiguration is in a different place in both lectionaries. So sometimes they don't they don't perfectly line up all the time. So mm. pro tip, ladies, if you play your cards right, you can get two Good Shepherd Sundays every year by just going <laughs> to a one-year church one Sunday and a three-year church I was going to say, in you my household, wrong, yeah. every Sunday is Good Shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> in this household. <laughs> so I don't know exactly why these don't exactly line up in the two lectionaries. I'm sure people who know the history of the one and three year lectionaries have a reason for why this is. I don't know why it just is. But Psalm 23 is the appointed psalm for this Sunday in either lectionary, depending on whether it's your third or your fourth. So it's Good Shepherd Sunday in on either the third Sunday after Easter, of Easter. I keep saying after third Sunday of Easter or the fourth Sunday of Easter. And the gospel reading in the historic one year lectionary is from John 10, 11 to 16, which is Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. This reminds me of Pastor Whedon's wolf sermon, which we do have somewhere in the archives on KFUO. So I'll try to dig that up so we can put it in the show notes. Oh, yeah. And there's a book, too. They made a children's book out of it. They did. It's so good. Anyway, sorry. That's a different tangent. Mm. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. So we get Psalm 23. We get this reading from John 10 on Good Shepherd Sunday in the one year lectionary. Great stuff. This is such a common theme throughout all of Christianity, a very common motif in a lot of stained glass windows and a lot of Christian artwork and a lot of our hymnody, as you'll find out. Churches <laughs> named after it. Churches mm-hmm. named after it. Yes. Shepherd Collins. There you go. Yeah. 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 So it's it's a very common uh, way that we way that we think about Christ and who he is and how we relate to him. So then just to give you the rest of the Sundays, Jubilate is the fourth Sunday of Easter. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Alleluia. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Alleluia. And this is the rejoicing Sunday. Mm. Uh, Jubilate means rejoice. Yes, it does. Fifth Sunday of Easter is cantate, which means singing. Every choir director's favorite Sunday. Sing to the Lord a new song, Alleluia, for he has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. Alleluia. So I mentioned Rogate. This is the sixth Sunday of Easter. This one does not come from the introit or the antiphon. It actually comes from the name of the days of observance after the Sunday called Rogation Days which are days of penitence and prayer. So the intro it is with a voice of singing, declare this with a shout of joy to the end of the earth. Alleluia. The Lord has redeemed his servant, Jacob. Alleluia. And I believe this is because Rogate Sunday happens before Ascension and the Mm -hmm. seventh Sunday of Easter, Exaudi, happens in between Ascension and Pentecost. So there's this progression of the Sundays plus the feast days in between the Sundays of the progression of the life of the church through this part of the stories that we hear. So then Exaudi happens between Ascension and Pentecost, 
And this one is, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, Alleluia. Your face, O Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Alleluia. So this Sunday, very appropriately, focuses on the coming of the Holy Spirit because it's the Sunday before Pentecost, as when the disciples were in that period of waiting between Ascension and Pentecost. So part of the Alleluia verse is, I will not leave you as orphans, which was Christ's promise to his disciples. So that's a very fast crash course Hmm. in the seven Sundays of Easter that we have between Easter Sunday and Pentecost. I I really like the name. I like how the names tie into the intro Mm -hmm. and all of the readings and and it all all kind of makes sense together. So now that we've had this crash course, let's focus on Good Shepherd Sunday. So I mentioned that the psalm for this day is Psalm 23, because it's for Good Shepherd Sunday. Mm. We have three hymns in the Lutheran service book that are paraphrases of Psalm 23. According to hymn scholars, Psalm 23 might be the most paraphrased psalm of all time, especially in the Anglican church. So these three hymns that we have are absolutely by no means the only paraphrases or hymn settings of Psalm 23. There are a ton of other ones. The three hymns we have in the Lutheran service book are Lutheran service book 709, The King of Love My Shepherd Is, mm. which is the hymn of the appointed hymn of the day for Good Shepherd Sunday. 710, The Lord's My Shepherd I'll Not Want. And 711, Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us. And this time I asked a very maximum science TM poll yes. in the Lutheran mm-hmm. Ladies Launch Facebook group. I locked down yes. the, the responses so you could only choose one that I wanted you to choose. <laughs> I learned my lesson from last time. <laughs> no surprise, the king of love, my shepherd, is won that poll by yeah. a mile. Mm-hmm. That's a banger. Yeah. Everybody loves that one. So that was not surprising. I was curious just to see, but everyone loves that one. So the three of you ladies, I, I will ask for your favorites on this, but I'm going to wait till the end. Again, because that was kind of fun last time to wait mm-hmm. till the end. Uh, also, because there's a different list of hymns that you can also pick from, but that'll come at yes. the end. So to set this whole tone for our discussion, I'm just going to read you Psalm 23. I know we all know it, but... Oh, do. I can hear it 10 hear times it. a day and not get tired of it. So can here I, I see if I can remember it from memory? Ooh. Can I just recite it? Sure. Go okay. for it. All right. This is completely off the top of the dome. Ready? Yep. Okay. <clears throat> The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside the still waters. He no. He Start again. Start again. The The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. There you go. Leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley. He skipped a verse. He he, he Leads. He leads me it, it, down the paths paths. of righteousness for his name's sake. There you go. <laughs> Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. For your rod and staff, they comfort me. You, uh, you prepare a ta- table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You got there. Wow. Well done. I am literally like crying tears streaming down my face. That's how beautiful that psalm is. So thank you for... I love it. I don't know what's wrong with me today, but anyway, (laughs) I need Psalm 23. That's all. 
I did such a touching, dramatic reading. <laughs> Word of the Lord is powerful. It is. Yes, it it is. is. Spirit acts through it. So, mm-hmm. yep. that's, that's, there's nothing wrong with mm-hmm. you. It's legit. Yeah. That was wonderful, Brie. So, this is also a unique thing for this podcast. Normally, I shove in a whole bunch of stuff about like 12 different hymns. No. (laughs) But there's only three today. So, you get like a deep dive into three hymns today. And all three of these are public domain text and tune and setting, which means that... I asked my cantor at my church, Philip Magnus. I was like, Philip Magnus? The Philip Magnus. I was like, hey, do you want to record these with me? Because this never happens that all of them that I'm talking about are public domain and they're good shepherd (laughs) hymns. So they're great. And he's like, sure, happy to help. So, Philip Magnus, everyone. So, y'all get a treat today. Uh, I also roped my husband into this. So, you get the Luther Golseth? The Luther Golseth, yes. So, you get uh, Luther, my husband, and me, and Philip Magnus. With renditions of all three of these hymns. So Mm. here we go. I'm going to play the first one for you. And then we'll talk about it.
That was the sweetest thing I've ever heard. And we've got two more to go. That was my husband. Mm -hmm. My gosh, I can't believe it comes out of his mouth like that. (laughs) His beard is too long and scraggly for him to sound like that. Mm -hmm. He does have a very epic beard these days. No offense. It's kind of nice. No disrespect. So I'm just jealous. You'll get the other two as we talk about them. So I'm going to tell you about this one first. This hymn was written by Henry Baker, who lived 1821 to 1877. It might be one of the best known paraphrases of Psalms 23. Mm -hmm. And it's quite frankly, ridiculously beautiful. Yeah, I love it. A lot of people love it, obviously. Hymn writer John Ellerton, who has hymns in our hymnal, says it is, quote, perhaps the most beautiful of all the countless versions of Psalm 23. Yeah. End quote. Mm-hmm. And I, I would, would have to agree. That. Yes. English hymnologist Eric Routley says, quote, Sir Henry Baker writes not a pastoral paraphrase like George Herbert's or an 18th century country house paraphrase like Addison's, but an English parish church paraphrase. This is purest Anglican Herefordshire. Hmm. End quote. And it is very Anglican, but it's still beautiful. I was going to say, I was looked, I read, I read ahead a little bit, and I'm not sure you're going to be touching on this, but all of these hymns are like... Anglican United Kingdom. Yep. Action. Yes, they are. So, and this is, sorry, there's so many tangents in this podcast. I'm, and but I, don't jump around if you don't want to. No, it's, I didn't actually put this in my notes. So okay. it's interesting that all three of these that we have are English paraphrases of an English, a song that we already have in English. And we've talked mm-hmm. about this before, that something that is written purely for English language hymnody, there's just something very different about the poetry and the beauty of the poetry mm-hmm. because they're not... You're not translating from a different language and trying to keep that translation uh, valid and relating to the original text. You're just writing something in English using English poetry. And so there's just there's a different level of beauty to those things. So, yes, all three are Anglican. Well, it's not surprising, as Pastor Hans Feeney likes to point out, Anglican hymns like to mention barnyard animals. <laughs> I was just thinking that. I'm like, is it because sheep is like a major export well, in this also, area? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of sheep all over England, and there have been for, you know, like hundreds and hundreds of years. So it's I'm true. guessing this is a topic the that British feels would very know sheep probably better than anyone home. else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So In the Calvinist tradition, we talked about this, I think, in... I think it was the Reformation. I'm losing track of which episodes we've talked about what. But I know we've talked about this before, that in the Calvinist tradition, they would have only really been singing strict versifications of psalms in church rather than hymns like we have. Mm-hmm. And so Baker, along with fellow Englishman Isaac Watts, was sympathetic to the Tractarian movement of the Church of England. And I will get to that in a second. So he didn't follow strict versification. He wrote a looser paraphrase, although the the six verses we have are still pretty close to that, the text of the actual Psalm 23. But that allowed for a lot more poetry in the English language and also emphasizes Christ and the gospel. And there are references to the chalice in the sacrament of the altar. Then the rod and the staff are crosses of Christ and Christ himself is the good shepherd. So to understand this a little bit more, I'm going to give you a super brief history of the Tractarian movement. Just Let to get my popcorn. <laughs> I only it's one paragraph and, and a few bullet points. <laughs> and this is this is a much wider thing that I can give you in, in a paragraph. So if this is interesting, go look up more about this history in the Church of England. It is actually very fascinating. So this movement is also known as the Oxford movement, but it's called the Tractarian movement because its views were published in 90 religious pamphlets called Tracts for the Times 
between 1833 and 1841. So it was launched, this Oxford movement was launched in the early 1830s by Anglican clergymen at Oxford University. And there's a ton of complex history around how this came about and its influence on Anglicanism. But the main objective was to bring spiritual renewal to the Anglican Church by reviving some Roman Catholic practices that had been dropped by the Anglican Church during the struggles of the Protestant Reformation. So they weren't trying to bring Lutheran practices back. They were trying to bring actual Roman Catholic practices back. So essentially, they wanted the universal small C Catholic Church to be free from its ties to the state in matters of doctrine and discipline, which the Church of England was very tied to political things. So their big main ideas were that the sacraments should be administered by priests who had proper authority, aka apostolic succession. Baptismal regeneration was another one of their big ideas that baptism does indeed impart life and salvation, rebirth in Christ Jesus. We're totally on board with that one too. Speaking confessions out loud to a priest. So they wanted to bring back like actual legit confession time in a confessional with a priest. We'd be on board with that too, frankly. I'd do it. And the real presence of Christ in the sacrament, not just a symbolic meal. And we are absolutely on board with that one. <laughs> but that's that's a big difference in a lot of Reformed camps versus Roman Catholics and Lutherans. Um, that's one of the things that you can see in Baker's text. I guess you could say tracts with us. Ah. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha. So you can see how in, in Baker's text, how these ideas come through. His text expresses a trust in the Good Shepherd that is fully dependent on Christ. And in stanza four, for example, he says that there is no greater comfort than the cross of Christ because that's how we obtain forgiveness of sins and mm-hmm. life eternal because of Christ's suffering and death to destroy death for us. Right. And then in stanza five, he pours out the references to the Lord's Supper. So the word unction, this Mm. is a word since I was a kid. I was like, what is unction? Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. So to us. It always makes me think of ointment. Yeah, kind of. I think of animal fat. I don't know why. Oh, interesting. I had a teacher in high school whose last name was Unger and it always made me think of him. (laughs) What does that have to do with it? Okay. Okay, I'm the English nerd. I I do use the word unction. (laughs) That's not surprising. No one's one's shocked. (laughs) Nobody nobody (laughs) is surprised. So it was was a very common word used by Tractarians in reference to the sacraments as in Ah. unction or anointing of the Holy Spirit. Like how the Holy Spirit is given to us in baptism and we are made children of God. So Baker refers to this unction as the anointing, renewing, and healing grace that comes to us by Christ's real presence in the sacrament. Aaron, you were kind of right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at the speaking as the the language nerd. Unction, the word does, uh, if you you use the word unctuous, which is cognate with it, that literally means greasy or oily. Um, And it really is the anointing with oil. So... Catholics actually have a sacrament called, you know, extreme unction, which we yeah. often call last rites, We're both mm, which is, right. you know, anointing with oil of the sick and dying. Oh, there you go. It yeah, makes total sense. But in this case, unction is referring to all the anointed activities of the church, which is co- kind of a cool expansion of the term. Huh. Yeah. And so the, the last thing about this text, uh, the final words of the hymn, perverse and foolish oft I strayed, were actually the last words that Henry Baker wrote, wrote. The last words that he spoke on his deathbed in full oh. assurance of his salvation. Oh. So he huh. he spoke his own hymn on his deathbed. I think mm. it's kind of cool. That is. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Guess where this hymn first showed up? <laughs> is it? Is it was John Mason Neal invited? And, and 
it Sean is Mason not, Neal. Is he, not Sean is he Mason Neal, but that would be also very appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is, in fact, hymns ancient and modern. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron is on fire today. So it first appeared in the 1868 appendix to hymns ancient and modern, where, like every other English hymn of this time first appeared, we have it nearly completely unchanged from that edition, oh, wow. which is very interesting, is. except for thy instead of thine in stanza five. That's the only change. So Henry Baker wrote a... What? Okay, what? I want to know. What thine pure chalice floweth? Yep. Last line. From thine. Yep, that's the only change. So Thine would not even be grammatically correct. That. That's, yes. That's, that's an apt that's change. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. We are in agreement. We are in concordance with this modification. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, so Victorians like to write in thee and thine, even though they didn't speak in thee and thine. <laughs> Those Victorian. And so they sometimes got the grammar a little weird. <laughs> so that's so a- pretentious. Oh. <laughs> so this text is set to a few different tunes across hymnals. And I only mention this because I had some like mind-blowing moments when I was looking this up. Baker asked John Bacchus Dykes to write the tune. And John Bacchus Dykes wrote the tune for Holy, 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 which is an interesting Mm. tidbit. Mm. But that tune didn't make it into Lutheran use. I think it's still in use in Anglican hymnals, maybe. But Dominus Regit May is the hymn tune. You can find it on YouTube. It's a beautiful, pastoral, pleasant, super British tune that sounds like it's from the late 1800s. I really like it. It's mm. it's just very pleasant. I've never heard it before, though. And then this was the mind-blowing part. In TLH, I had to look this up because I had no idea. We have a tune by Michael Praetorius. What? Him. What? Right. Like, what? what are you doing there, Praetorius? <laughs> ich dank dir schön. And I have never heard this in my life. I looked it up on YouTube and my husband was like, what are you playing? And I was like, oh, it's the TLH tune for the King of Love My Shepherd is. He's like, what? So he pulled out the TLH uh-huh. and started playing it. <laughs> like, We're like, I don't think I've ever sung this in my life. Huh. Wow. So the TLH- Friday night at the gull sets, everyone. Time stamp uh-huh. that. Yeah. Stump the gull sets, right? eh? So, which I think is because when I was a kid, we sang 710 on Good Shepherd Sunday, not 709, which obviously there were different numbers in TLH. But I don't think we actually sang this hymn. We sang, uh. we sang the next one I'm going to talk about. Very interesting thing. Had no idea existed. Um, and it's very, it's a, it's weird to pair an English text with the German tune that way. It's just, I don't know. It doesn't feel right. I would um, agree with that. So the LSB. Like tea and brats. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't mix those. You don't do that. So LSB took a page out of the other hymnals and uses. And beer. And <laughs> uses an Irish folk melody, St. Columbia, which literally sounds like you're in the middle of Green Pastures of Ireland. It's it quite wonderful. It fits so perfectly. I love it. We really literally did pull out all of our hymnals and play through. All, All of the them. Versions. Yep. Yeah. It happened. It was wonderful. Mm. <laughs> you know, yelling at each other about the things we never knew about because yes. that's what <laughs> you play music and scream. That's what you do. Pretty much. Yes. You feed your cats. The Where end. did this come from? I've never heard this before. <laughs> Screaming, flailing, playing music. Yes. That's it. Yep. And like experience. <laughs> it's true. So before I move on to that next hymn, I do need to tell you Henry Baker's story because silly me thought that there, w- there weren't going to be any interesting stories for only three <laughs> hymns. And I'm always wrong. I don't know why I ever think that. So <laughs> I kid around that every English uh, original hymn we have was first in a- hymns ancient and modern, which is probably only partly true. But Henry Baker was in charge of the creation of that hymn. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, okay. so he's he's the reason every hymn is is in that hymnal. The story is very interesting too. So two clergymen, two English clergymen happened to be on a train together and they discovered that they both wanted to bring some standardization to hymn books in England. So the committee for the hymnal, Hymns Ancient and Modern, was born. And Henry Baker was the first chair of that committee and served in that position for 20 years, which is pretty incredible. Hmm. The first edition of Hymns Ancient and Modern was published in 1861 with the appendix in 1868, which is where this hymn showed up, and then a revised edition in 1875. And then this was all combined with a new supplement in 1889 to form the quote unquote complete edition. So that's that's the brief history of Henry Baker and Hymns Ancient and Modern. The, uh, this hymnal was a, a huge deal for liturgical English-speaking Christianity. Hymnologist Lewis Benson says that, quote, Hymns Ancient and Modern became an effective means in the hands of the people who used it for spreading broadcast not only high church views and practices, but high church atmosphere. It ranks as one of the great events in the history of hymnody of the English-speaking churches. So this kind of unified uh, mm-hmm. Anglican, English-speaking churches with this hymn book of of really high-quality hymnody. And what, if you already, sorry, now that I've made you pause, um, <laughs> <laughs> what was the tune that he originally put in that, in hymns, ancient and modern? Like, which tune did he have to go with it So he, he selected? He had the tune by John Bacchus Dykes. Okay, okay. The yeah. one that... That's either the like, that's a lovely one. It's, it's okay, a lovely just, British tune. Sorry. You can find it on YouTube. Maybe I'll I'll throw a link into the show notes so you can listen to it too. Yeah. Or if you if you really just search The King of Love My Shepherd is on YouTube, you'll find it. It's everywhere. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's sorry. quite lovely. And so many tangents. So fun facts, because I had to look this up too. Yes. <laughs> Did you know the first English language hymnal in the LCMS was not TLH? It was in 1912. When a group of English-speaking Lutherans who had developed their own hymnal joined the LCMS as the English district and gifted the LCMS their hymnal, quote, Evangelical Lutheran Hymn Book, which CPH then took over and published. So the English and German hymnals continued side by side until TLH was published in 1941, which had all the music and parts written out. The previous hymnals only, if you have some of those really old, old, old hymnals from Mm -hmm. our synod, none of them have music in them. They just kind of all like knew the tunes and sang Uh stuff. So TLH was, I think, one of the first ones that had all of the parts written out. And funny enough, and I got this from a CPH blog article, so it must be true. uh, People (laughs) didn't get the part singing at first. They didn't think it was uh, a Lutheran thing because that was a Methodist tradition at the time. (laughs) And they were like, why are we doing this? This is what the Methodists do. (laughs) So we now love part singing, obviously. Yeah, we do. But 16 part doxology. (laughs) (laughs) 10 Lutherans in a room. Right. <laughs> okay, sorry. Back to Henry Baker. He was he was born May twenty seventh, eighteen twenty one, at Belmont House, Vauxhall, London. He was the oldest son of a naval officer, Henry Lorraine Baker, who later became Vice Admiral Sir Henry Lorraine Baker. Important guy. So Henry the Younger studied at Trinity College, Cambridge, and got his BA in eighteen forty four and MA in eighteen forty seven. There's a lot of stuff that happens in eighteen forty seven in this episode. I don't know why. Also, the year the LCMS began. Fun fact. Mm. He was ordained as a priest in the Church of England and served as a vicar of Monkland in Herefordshire from 1851 until he died on February 12, 1877. And he believed very strongly in priestly celibacy, probably part of his association with the Tractarian movement. And so he died unmarried. 
And so even though he had succeeded his father to the baronetcy, he didn't leave any heirs. So it got like divvied up as they do with baronetcies that don't have heirs. But he did leave a gem of a hymn book for English-speaking Christianity. So Okay, I just want to know what his relationship with his father was like. His father <laughs> was like a vice admiral and a baronet. Yep. And his son's like, I want to be in the church and also I'm stay single. <laughs> yep. That I must mean, be- yeah, it's perfectly respectable, but I uh-huh. got to imagine there were some conversations about that. Like an elf at the North Pole <laughs> that wants to be a dentist. <laughs> they belong on the island of misfit toys. Mm-hmm. Yes. So in our Lutheran service book, we have three hymns, one translation model, two translations, and one tune from Henry Baker. And so we have O Perfect Life of Love, which we've talked about, 452. The King of Love, My Shepherd is, obviously. 751, O God of Love, O King of Peace. Those are the texts we have from him. The translation model is 403, O Savior of Our Fallen Race. I love that one, too. Translations, mind blown. LSB 384 stands as four and five of Of the Father's Love Begotten. What? Good on him. Yeah. Really cool. And then... uh, It all connects. uh, Right? I know. 969 Sweet Flowerets of the Martyr Band, which is not in our Pew edition of the hymn book. It's in the accompaniment edition. That's, I think it might be hymn of the day for the martyrs on December 26th. I believe it's hymn of the day. I think I can honestly say I have never sung that hymn. I have a couple of times. We've sung it, I think, here in chapel at the IC, I think. Everyone say yes if you're surprised by that. <laughs> uh-huh, that's what I thought. <laughs> and then we also have the tune for LSB 729 called Stephanos, I Am Trusting the Lord Jesus. So that is the very long story on Lutheran Service Book 709. We still have two more, but the, I promise they're much shorter. <laughs> they didn't have nearly as long of stories as that one did. So that was a good one, though. It's the best. There was so much. There was yeah. so much there. Yeah. I was not expecting mm-hmm. all of that. Okay, so we're back to uh, back to the Gulseth Magnus renditions of hymnody. So this is now Lutheran Service Book Seven Ten. The Lord's my shepherd; I'll not want. Mm.
ever try and like sync up your vibrato? Not on purpose. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, yeah, I hope you'll take this that. as <laughs> No, I don't feel comfortable talking about that. <laughs> I hope you'll take this as a compliment it is. I almost fell asleep during that rendition. It was so peaceful. It was. It was. I'm just like, could you just come and sing me to sleep? That's that what lovely. I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We can arrange that. Mm. <laughs> so this hymn was written almost entirely by committee, which is very interesting, hmm. and was practically unknown outside of the Church of Scotland for like 300 years, which is crazy. It's a Scottish secret. Because it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So this committee of unnamed members, <laughs> secret society. That's the truth. That is so Church of Scotland. Written, like, Can I just say that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the true. No rock stars. An unnamed mm. committee of unnamed members. It's, it's like it's like doctrinal review, guys. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> nice. Unnamed members of the Westminster Abbey of Divines took individual lines from previous metrical versions of Psalm twenty-three and made the ultimate mashup ah. of Psalm twenty-three. <laughs> it's literally what well they did. Done. They did themselves add the phrase, he leadeth me the quiet waters by, and the word furnished. But that was mm. it. Everything else they got from other people. So wow. the committee chose lines from works by William Whittingham, who is the brother-in-law of John Calvin, of all people. Mm. Zachary Sounds Boyd, Scottish. <laughs> pastor of Barony Church in Glasgow. And William Muir, poet and commander of the Irishshire Regiment under Oliver Cromwell some fairly famous people. This committee collected all of these versions and standardized the final hymn for the Psalms of David in Meter, published in 1650 in Edinburgh. So this is a pretty old hymn. Also known as the Scottish Psalter. It's so old they spelled meter wrong. With two E's. Ew. I mean with three E's, but with two gross. M-E-E-T-E-R. <laughs> Ew. Oh. Amazingly, the text we have in Lutheran service book is nearly identical to the version printed over 350 years ago, wow. which I think is super cool. Same deal. Except both of those. I know, right? Okay. Yeah. What's except for three minor text changes to bring the language up to date. I think it was the pronouns of these and thys and yous and yours mm. brought those up to date and fixed an obvious misprint from the 1650 version that said death instead of deaths with an S huh. at the end. So wait, oh. I'm sorry. I'm sure you said it already. Say it again. So when did they write this? Well, they they compiled it in 1650, published in 1650. Okay. okay. Wonderfully old. So the text is very unique in that it nearly follows the psalm exactly, which is not very easy to do. If you compare the text side by side, it's almost exact. But that also means that it has some really odd turns of phrase, like the quiet waters by. Yes. Oh, the quiet exciting. waters by inverted word order and me to walk doth make mm. so in order to make it rhyme and to have poetry they had to flip some words around but it works mm -hmm. like when you sing it it doesn't it's not that weird it does like when you pull the line out and me to what the walk doth make it's like that's total gibberish but then the quiet waters by that is so poetic like mm -hmm. that works so poetic right we right. should we should designate a day at some point or maybe an episode where we talk like this yeah <laughs> I'm just saying that would we be fun. talk good that day. Yeah, <laughs> would make you to talk you. I couldn't even episode do it. in the. 
I would get so confused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it does also make it a little easier to remember to how to sing it because if you know the text of Psalm 23, you're going to get pretty close to the text of this hymn. So that's all I have about that one. That was a okay. short one. That's a good one. Though. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a delight though. It is a delight. So finally, the third of the three, Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us. And we're back to we're back to our musical rendition.
you know what? <laughs> I just want to say before we get to the section where we're picking our favorites, like I rolled into this, I was like, oh yeah, it's the king of love, no doubt. But then each one, I'm like, oh, mm. so good. I'm yep. Like, oh, and it has such good harmonies. I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, so I'm no longer so sure. Okay, oh, carry damn. on, carry on. Okay, I do have to point out if you were listening closely in the second and the the third and fourth <laughs> verses of that one, mm. and you heard a little alto line going on, that was also my husband singing mm, the yeah. alto line. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Luther, you're a dork, and I love it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you are not wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Magnus, uh, Kinder Magnus played through the harmonies he was going to use just so Luther could like understand the chord uh-huh. progression uh-huh. so that he could sing it because he started singing it and he was singing what's out of the hymnal and Kinder Magnus was not it's playing like, what was I'm, out of the hymnal. I'm he was playing his own thing. Special touch. And yeah. Kinder Magnus was like, Luther, you are not singing what I'm playing. Listen. Special sauce. <laughs> Adding uh-huh. it in. <laughs> It was hilarious. So I, I do have to give a huge thank you to Cantor Magnus and my husband for uh, for doing that Very for me. Well that was super done. fun. Thanks, Thanks guys. Well yeah, we don't always get that treat, but this time you are a gift to the church. Both oh, of musical you. Musical excellence. <laughs> we are not worthy. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, even though it was at like nine never- fifteen after choir <laughs> rehearsal. Oh my goodness! I'm never taking night. these headphones off again. <laughs> never washing my ears again. <laughs> Okay, so this hymn first appeared as early as 1832 in Dorothy Thrupp's hymn book, classic 1800s hymn book title. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Hymns for the Young Selected for the Purpose of Being Committed to Memory. You oh, run it too fast. I was trying to do a word it. count. Oh, do it sorry. Again. Hymns Tell it like it for is. the Young okay. Selected for the Purpose of Being Committed to Memory. Hmm. 13 <laughs> I words. It. I love it. Yeah. That's pretty economical for the solid. day. I mean, it's a solid <laughs> choice for that. Yeah. Discret, like for that title, I feel like this this yeah. falls right it's in fitting. the sweet spot. There you go. It was likely written by Henry Francis Light, who lived much earlier, 1793 to 1847. Mm. <laughs> its original form is a little different than how we sing it now. So it was originally written in four stanzas of six lines without the repeated final lines. The oh. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, you have loved us, love us still. They didn't repeat that in the original version. And it was paired with a variety of tunes. So the tune that we have, I don't think it's the the tune that it was originally paired with. Paired with a bunch of different tunes. Well, it couldn't be if it originally had like a whole right. less. That's true. You're right. It would have been a different tune. Yes. (laughs) But even with this form difference, the text that we have is, again, nearly unchanged. Wow. Except to update the language a tiny bit and changing mm. the line, with thyself our bosoms fill, to with your love our spirits fill. Oh. That's the only major change to it. Yeah. So all three of these hymns are practically unchanged mm-hmm. from the original from the original writing, which is really cool. So the story of this hymn book sounds a little familiar. There was a lack of congregational singing in the Church of England in the eighteen early eighteen hundreds, and so the women of the church many of whom were wives and daughters of clergy, mm. took it upon themselves to teach the faith by using the song of the church. This mm. sounds so Look familiar. Like, yeah. let's teach the kids by singing hymns, right? Yeah. yeah. So they were quite concerned about the religious education of their children. And we know how important music is in teaching children. Mm-hmm. And so they started creating these, these hymn books for children. Dorothy Thrupp was one of those people that was creating these hymn books. So after it appeared in Dorothy Thrupp's hymn book, 
It was also published in other children's hymn books of the time period and then also in standard hymnals beginning with the Church of Ireland's church hymnal published in Dublin in 1864. And it seems like it was a very popular hymn for children to learn to seek the Savior and his guidance. Since this hymn was written by Henry Francis Light, Dorothy Thrupp's story isn't in the hymnal companion, but I like telling stories of lady church musicians, so I'm going to give you her little brief story that I got elsewhere. Dorothy Thrupp was born on June 20th, 1779, it's like American Revolution time yep. in Paddington Green, Middlesex, England to John, Augustus and Mary. She had two brothers, John and Charles, and two half brothers, Joseph and Frederick, from her father's marriage to his second wife after his first wife died. Okay, Dorothy- can we just can we just go back and say that her father's name was John Augustus? When you said she was born to John, Augustus and Mary, I thought that was a list. <laughs> It's like to John, to Augustus, and to Mary. What? No, John Augustus. No, I need a little more coffee. And Mary, two people. Okay. (laughs) So Dorothy spent her entire life in London, and she wrote for children's magazines, always using pen names like Iota and DAT. So she wasn't always properly credited for her work partially because she was always using pen names. But she wrote several hymns for these magazines published by a few different people. The most famous seems like it was A Little Ship on the Sea. That one shows up in all of the research on her. So she edited the Hymns for the Young book for the Religious Tract Society around 1830, which had several editions through the 1830s. So all of the hymns in this book were given anonymously, which is why we assume Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us was written by Henry Francis Light. And there is a whole history and explanation of how hymnologists agree on this in the Hymnal Companion. It's like two pages of notes and historical references and how they got to that assumption because he isn't named. But there's this whole reasoning why that's who it's attributed to. It's solid. It's interesting, but I wasn't going to try to decipher it in here also because this is I was getting to a lot of pages of notes and I needed to move on. So (laughs) you can read it for yourself in a hymnal companion. It's very interesting. Dorothy died in London on December 14th, 1847. So Henry Francis Light also wrote 793, Praise my soul, the King of Heaven, and 878, Abide with me, fast mm. follow. That's where no. I know his name. Oh, yes. Which means I already told his story in the favorite nighttime hymns episode. Mm. But I, look I, will that up. You, uh, I will give you the, uh, the super short elevator version. He was born on June 1st, 1793 at Ednam near Kelso, Roxburghshire, England. Roxburghshire is actually in Scotland, right on the border with England. He was educated at the Royal School of Enniskillen and Trinity College, Dublin, where he received his BA in 1814. He was a fantastic poet. He won the Chancellor's Prize for English verse three years in a row. He was ordained as a deacon on December 18th, 1814, and a priest in 1815, and married Anne on January 21st, 1818, and they had three sons and a daughter. That was a really busy time of his life. Mm. His ministry was mostly in Brixham, Devon, where he gathered a huge and well-respected library, mostly of theological books and old English poetry. He also had a great devotion to sailors and fishermen, establishing a sailor Sunday school which makes a lot of sense because Brixham is on the coast of the English Channel. He also traveled around a whole lot in his ministry and also later in life, partially because he had a lot of chronic illnesses, so he was trying to get away from the British weather 
which a lot of people apparently did back then. He died on November 20th, 1847 in Nice, France, which is a beautiful place. Nice. I do have to give an honorable mention to one hymn that is not in Lutheran service book, but it's Isaac Watts's, Wat, Watts's My Shepherd Will Supply My Need to oh, this good one. harmony tune, Resignation. It's in 222 hymnals, but not in any of our Lutheran, mm. LCMS Lutheran ones. Mm. I looked, but I won't give you the whole text. It seems like Go a look lot of hymnals to be in, to not be in one of ours. I mean, there are so many paraphrases of Psalm 23. I particularly like this one. It's this one, it's just very peaceful. So I have to give the a good shot. news is, choir directors, it'll make an excellent anthem for Good Shepherd Sunday. Yes, it will. Because the one that I love is the choral version. Mm. It's beautiful. All of this talk about Psalm 23 and Jesus as our Good Shepherd, plus only three hymns in our hymnal as paraphrases of Psalm 23, made me want to find other hymns in LSB that mention Jesus as our good shepherd, because this is such a common way to talk about Jesus. It is all over our hymnody. And thanks to this episode, I am now the proud owner of an LSB concordance because I had to look up <laughs> all the times that mm -hmm. shepherd was used in our hymnal. So I went up and borrowed our chaplain, Sean Denzer's version, oh. and then I went and bought my own because I gotta have one. Of these. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Dear <laughs> listeners out there, Poor Sarah messaged us and said, I don't think we can have an episode on this topic because <laughs> no, I can only find three no. Good Shepherd hymns. And I said to her, Sarah, no, not only are these great <laughs> hymns, but there are many, many, many others. And then you found them all and you found some that I had even, hadn't even thought of. But yes, yes, we are we are rich in hymnody that mentions Christ as our shepherd and, and we as his sheep. No shortage. Yes, there are a lot of these hymns. And in full disclosure, these are hymns that mention Jesus as the good shepherd. And a lot of them, it's in a single stanza. The whole hymn isn't about him as good shepherd for most of these. But there's the the good shepherd, Jesus as good shepherd, we are his lambs kind of motif going mm -hmm. on in several of these hymns, even if it is only one stanza. I am just going to read off this list to you. And maybe you love one of these hymns too. So we've got from east to west, to sh from shore to shore. That's a Christmas hymn. Oh, dearest Jesus, what law hast thou broken? Mm. Makes sense. Oh, sacred head now wounded. Mm. Lent hymns make sense. A multitude comes from the east and the west. That's an end times hymn. Hmm. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds. And Christ, the word of God incarnate. Those are both redeemer hymns. Twyla Paris is modern classic Lamb of God. Of course, mm. that has Lamb of God and also Jesus as shepherd. So it has both of those themes in it. Hmm. In Adam, we have all been one. I love that hymn. That's a justification hymn. Dearest Jesus, we are here. That's a baptism hymn. From depths of woe, I cry to thee. Mm. And Jesus sinners doth receive. Those are both. Oh, that's great. oh, and baptismal waters cover me. Those are confession and absolution hymns. I come, O Savior, to thy table. That's the best. Which we've talked about extensively. Mm -hmm. And you satisfy the hungry heart. Those are both yes. Lord's Supper hymns. Oh, little flock, fear not the foe. That six, one six, six. I love that, man. And then send, O Lord, your Holy Spirit and thine forever God of love. And then, oh, that the Lord would guide my ways. I love that one. That is a good one. Have no fear, little flock. Of course. I am Jesus, little lamb, mm. of mm. course, mm. <laughs> of course, mm. through Jesus' blood and merit. Why should cross and trial grieve me? We give thee but thine own good stewardship him. All people that on earth do dwell. I love that one. Christ, our human likeness sharing shepherd of the tender youth. Oh. I think that's the only one that actually says shepherd in the title. Huh. 
and Splendor and Honor, which is in the liturgical music section. No, we've got the Lord's My Shepherd and the King of Love. Oh, yes. Other Other than... Okay, other than the the Psalm 23 paraphrases. These are all the ones that mention it in passing in a stanza. Got it. To some extent. So I posted a poll, a very non-maximum science poll. Minimum science. And encouraged people to just add whatever they wanted. Uh Wanted it. Add whatever they wanted to that very non-scientific poll to just get an idea of when they think of Good Shepherd, what hymns come to mind. And some people are like, well, none of these are actually about the Good Shepherd, which is true. It's a stanza somewhere mentioning in the whole context of the hymn. So This is a really, really common motif in hymnody. Very common. It really is. And I did post in this it's poll. almost like it's a common motif in the Bible, huh? <laughs> Quite unsurprisingly, I am Jesus' little lamb, clear favorite out of this entire list. Mm-hmm. So... There you go. I am at the end of my notes. Wow. I had like three times as many notes on this podcast. I thought I was going to have like a 20 minute podcast, guys. And it turned into 10 10 pages. Never. never. (laughs) I never doubted you, Sarah. Not even once. (laughs) It was mind blowing. So before we wrap up, now I want to know what your favorite is. I'll go last because I probably have a favorite and a backup favorite and a double backup favorite. So if you guys pick my first two favorites, I'm still good. All right. Brie, do you want to go first? I'll go first. So I'm actually, so 7-Eleven, this is the first time I've ever heard that hymn. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think it's sung very much. I'm not even sure I've sung it before in church, ever, in 36 years. That's okay. I love it, though. I will say that, but it's definitely out of the running. (laughs) (laughs) But but here's the other thing. 709 and 710 represent very like core memories for me growing up and like my young adulthood so 709 was our wedding hymn actually so like that one game over like game over on that but also i kind of forgot about 710 until we started talking about it today and the core memory there is i was in fifth grade and my teacher was at Good Shepherd Lutheran School, haha, was mm. Sylvia Miller, uh, the sainted Sylvia Miller, and she was a musical genius, and she loved hymnody, and she's like what little hymnody I know, like she instilled her love of hymnody into her students, and I remember learning this hymn with her. Oh. Like if this was maybe, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say this is probably the first Lutheran hymn. Because I don't think this was this was not invented yet no. when I was in fifth invented, grade. No, it was um, <laughs> but she's referring to the hymn. Yeah, I'm no. sorry. I'm referring to the to the Lutheran service book. Yeah, the, that specific. Obviously, yeah. this hymn existed before this and when I was in fifth grade. But yeah. anyway, I remember learning this. Uh, this is probably one of the first hymns that I've sort of learned. Oh. in my Lutheran education experience. So that was That's it was cool. good to be reminded of that one. Awesome. So don't make me pick a favorite. But I, if I had to, no. it's 709. I won't make you pick a favorite. Thank you. I just want to know what you love. I love everything and everyone. <laughs> <laughs> of the big three, mine is definitely the, the king of love, even though as each one, I was <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that's such a good one. But of the broader group... Then I mean, this is time where I'm I'm just 
I don't even mind that it's the most popular because it's clearly the best. I am Jesus little lamb. <laughs> it is. And so normally I'm like, oh, it's too popular. But this time it's not too popular. You just gotta no, do it. It's just truly Off brand. excellent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. I do want to insert an honorable mention that I don't believe is in the LSB as oh. I'm thinking of it. The lamb from All God's People Sing. <laughs> I love that song. Do you ever hear it? Which one is that Wait, one? Is it? The lamb. That is totally an LSB. Oh, that is, is an LSB, but it that is Jesus as the lamb. It does not mention us as lambs or Jesus as the good shepherd. That's why it's not in the list. Oh, well, yeah. I like that one with it's, a lamb reference. It's in very it. confusing because we are lambs, but Jesus is also the lamb of God. And yeah. so like there's this overlap Man. of motifs and yep. they it's easy to get them. Backwards. Stay in your lane, Jesus. <laughs> They're all his lanes, Bree. Every lane is I Jesus' know. lane. I know. I'm kidding. He knows, I'm, he knows I'm kidding. Let's all laugh uncomfortably for two minutes. Okay, moving on. All right. Um, moving on. So my favorite. Okay, so I was going to pick I Am Jesus Little Lamb because I used to sing that to my children. And my, I, my parents used to sing it to me when I was. As, it's a lullaby. And it's such such a beautiful reassurance of Christ's care for us. I also love 710, The Lord's My Shepherd, I'll Not Want. Mm -hmm. because I, I, But I can't sing it because I once sang it at the funeral of a toddler oh. uh, as part of a, a choir. And that was it was the perfect hymn, the perfect hymn for that situation. But now as a result, every time I sing it, I flash back to yeah. that moment and I love it. And I'm just, I, I like tears streaming down my face all the, the whole time. So that's something I just look forward to on Good Shepherd Sunday because we have mm -hmm. these strong memories associated with them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I also am an apologist for Twyla Paris's modern classic, <laughs> Lamb of, yes! of God. <laughs> because it's one of the few hymns that captures both that Christ is the Lamb of God and that we in Christ are also lambs of God and he is our shepherd. That third the rest of the, the rest of the hymn I can take early, but that third stanza is just just beautiful. But I'm gonna pick one of the big three for my favorite, Ooh, my actual yeah. favorite on this list, which is Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us. Yes. I love this hymn very, very much. It was not in a Lutheran hymnal previous to LSB. I know because I looked for it ah. and it was not there. And this was one of the hymns that there were several hymns that joined lsb that were not previously in lutheran hymnals like precious lord take my hand and yep. you know a couple others like that and this was on that list of things that when i saw it in the hymnal i just like cheered and said thank you hymnal committee <laughs> this is a great ad because i've always loved this hymn in my family we have a just a long long tradition of close part singing mm. and the acapella part singing and this hymn yeah. is just perfect for that so we do a whole lot that this is a, a hymn i would sing both with lutheran and non-lutheran family members and so it really has some some strong memories there yeah and every time i hear it all i want to do is chime in on one or more harmony parts because that's how we do <laughs> yeah so yeah savior like a shepherd lead us much hmm. we need thy tender care and it's so true yeah did you say your favorite one, Sarah? Or are they all your favorite she again? Never has a favorite. You're going to make me pick a favorite? No, I just wondered she if you ever got it. to that point. You don't no. have to. I never pick a favorite. Okay. That's part of the fun of doing these podcast episodes uh -huh. on hymns. I never pick favorites. <laughs> 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 mm. 
Honestly, I don't you think- tried to it early on, but I think it got yeah. kind of messy. Sometimes yeah. you got to so quit. The comfort of the guilt, though. You know what I mean? Like you just have to sit in it. I don't think I can pick a favorite out of the gigantic list because there are far too many contributing factors to hymns from different sections of the hymnal. That's I just fair. can't do that. Of the other three, oh, I don't know, man. 709 legitimately is the best wedding hymn of all time. I think I would probably have to pick 709. I love the tune. I was not a fan at all of 711, Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us, until I sang it with Cantor Magnus. And as mm. I was singing it, I was like, you know what? There it is. I actually kind of like this one. This ain't bad. Huh. Yep. The, trick, the trick with 7-Eleven is not, is, this is controversial, but don't sing it like a Lutheran. I was going to say that. <laughs> you have, well, it, has to, it has to dance. It has to, you know, it's not savior like a shepherd lead. It's Not savior like a shepherd lead. Well, we it was originally once I learned that it was originally for children. Then I was like, yes. "Oh, that makes a lot of sense." So if I sing it like I'm a child, now I get it. Okay, yeah. and then I liked it. <laughs> and then that helps make the the last stanza makes a lot more sense. Yes. Early, let us seek our your favorite. It's not early in the morning. It's early in our lifetimes while we're still uh-huh. children. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh. Yeah. So I like that one a lot better. And I also wasn't totally a fan of, of 710, but I'm pretty sure that one is the one I grew up with. So I don't know. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably have picked 709. <laughs> yeah. I think it also has the best like tenor line and I frequently choose favorite hymns on the quality of the tenor line. So. <laughs> That's a nice criteria though. That's great. <laughs> that works. Because they're fun to sing up an octave when you're a soprano and always have the melody. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Yep. <laughs> true such is my life well ladies this has been super fun this went way longer than i ever dreamed it was going to it's been an hour and 14 Uh, minutes oh word okay yeah because i yeah (laughs) that's fine it's been really fun though it's kind of it's it's nice to have this like super small subset of hymns to just dig super deep into so i might have to do this again on another small subset of hymns challenge yeah Yeah. it's kind of deep dive to not have to focus on 20 hymns all at once Uh uh-huh I, I like know. it. It's a nice change. So, ladies out there listening to our podcast, I would love to know if you have favorite Good Shepherd hymns or hymns that mention Good Shepherd. Both of those polls are still up in the Lutheran Ladies Lounge Facebook group. You can join us there in that group and we can talk about hymnody all day. I would not be sad about that. <laughs> you could also follow us on Instagram at Lutheran Ladies Lounge and you can share Ooh, you should share pictures of your favorite Good Shepherd Sunday hymns on your Insta stories or on your Instagram feeds and tag us and then we can share those into our stories too and that would be super fun to do. You can also sign up for our e-newsletter if you're not on social media or you just like getting emails about what's happening in the lounge. You can find out how to do that in the show notes for this episode, or you can just send an email to lutheranladies at kfuo.org and we'll make sure you get signed up for that e-newsletter. comes out once a month. Got some fun stuff in there, some previews of episodes too that we don't put in the lounge. So you get a little bit of a sneak peek that other people don't get. You can find all of our podcasts at kfuo.org slash Lutheran Ladies Lounge or on the KFUO radio app or on your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Quasimodo Genity's mom. <laughs> and you are not invited to his birthday party. <laughs> and I'm Rachel. <laughs> KFUO Radio and the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast are underwritten in part by Ad Crusum. 
Visit them online at adcrucem.com. Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies' Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies' Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Join our community on Facebook in the Lutheran Ladies' Lounge.